Imagine taking your generosity to the next level, impacting more lives and leaving a godly legacy for generations to come. Get ideas and strategies to do just that when you listen to these personal stories from high-level kingdom champions. The Kingdom Investor Podcast showcases business leaders who have moved from success to significance, sharing how they use worldly wealth for kingdom impact. Discover how they grew in generosity, impacted more lives, and built godly legacies. You'll find motivation, inspiration, and practical steps to grow as a kingdom investor. Hello, and welcome to the Kingdom Investor Podcast. This is your host, Daniel White. Thanks for joining us as we interview Ellen Voya. Ellen is the founder of the Women in Trucking Association. And in this episode, we talk about leading a secular organization as a woman of faith. We also talk about the importance of the Halftime Institute on Ellen's life. If you have enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, follow us on LinkedIn, and share it with your friends. And now, without further ado, let's get right into the show. Ellen Voya, welcome to the Kingdom Investor Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on. Absolutely. I'm excited to talk with you and get to know you a little bit. So would you share just a little bit about where you're coming to us from and who you are? Sure. So as you said, my name is Ellen Voya. Um, I'm from Wisconsin. I live in Wisconsin and I um, run a nonprofit organization. It's called Women in Trucking. Um, it's a, a 501c6, which means we're a dues-based trade professional organization. But the whole mission is to encourage the employment of women in the trucking industry to adjust obstacles and to celebrate success. And we currently have uh, about 8,000 members in 10 countries. So we've grown quite a bit. Wow, that's awesome. So would you share maybe just a little bit about a passion project you're working on right now, or just kind of get us in your day-to-day? Sure. So I started the organization. So um, I became the CEO and and, um, president and CEO. But in the past few months, actually, technically this year, um, I have relinquished that title and I am currently founder, um, anticipating my retirement um, this summer as uh, from running the organization, but I'll still be connected because I'm always the founder and I'll still be talking to people about how to get more women in careers in the trucking industry. So kind of a transition, a big transition um, in my life to no longer be running the association, but I'm looking forward to a little bit more free time. Yeah, that's awesome. So exciting. So I want to dive into your story, but before we jump in, would you mind praying for this time and just that we would, you know, learn how to use business and our careers to advance God's kingdom? Sure. Um, dear Father, please give me the right words to um, motivate people and energize people and give people a glimpse of, of not just my story, but how you have led me um, through my entire career um, and have been an influence and use your influence to reach other people to help them to know Um, what you can offer and what you can provide um, in any industry, um, but especially for this industry to support all the women who work in the trucking industry. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Ellen. Would you share your story with us? Sure. So I'm going to start, I'm going to go way back. Uh, In fact, it's my mom was a lot of 
a lot of women will attribute their mom, you know, as their the person who really did um, guide them. And as in my story as well, um, I grew up in a very, very small town. My dad was the undertaker. Um, and I mean, it was a small town. It was a community of 800. So we, everyone knew everyone else. Um, and in the 70s, women were more traditional, followed more traditional roles. But I wanted to take industrial arts class. I wanted to take shop class. I wanted to learn engines and woodworking and welding and things like that. So my mom supported me and said, you know, you can do anything you want. Um, and I did. Um, and I, I got a job at a steel fabricating plant. I was doing drafting material handling equipment. And my mom, uh, uh, unfortunately, got Lou Gehrig's disease, which at the time was very, very rare. Very few people were familiar with um, the, the ALS uh, organization and died eight months later. So um, it, that has been a huge influence because she always believed in me and I always I still feel her um, her presence. But it's been, you know, since 1979. So. That has been a big pivot in my life that I've had to, um, I'll, I'll say, deal with um, growing up without, a, or you know, being an adult without a mom, having children without a mom, and that sort of thing. But um, I always believed that she felt I could do anything. So working at the steel fabricating plant. Um, they, they actually advanced my career and sent me to school for traffic and transportation management. And that's how I got into the trucking industry, uh, working there, um, depleted, completed the diploma, went from assistant traffic manager to traffic manager. And then when I got married and started my family, I did consulting for 18 years. And during that time, I completed my bachelor's degree and my master's degree in communication and went on and worked for a, a one nonprofit. And then I worked for a trucking company. And my job was manager of recruiting retention programs. And they said, figure out how to attract and retain non-traditional groups. And that included women. And I realized that the trucking industry wasn't really female friendly, wasn't really trying to attract women. And it was such a great untapped market, especially for the driver area. Uh, and so I started the Women in Trucking Association in 2007 and put together a board of directors and um, did the bylaws, you know, got an attorney to help us with all the paperwork. And here we are 16, a little over 16 years later, and it's grown beyond my wildest dreams. And I have a staff about 13, 14. <laughs> got to think we're all over the country. We're a virtual organization. Um, and I'm really excited that we've positively affected women who work in the trucking industry, whether they're drivers or technicians or, or CEOs or safety directors or whatever. But I feel that we've made the industry much more female friendly. And that's been my goal. Mm. Wow. So how, what were some of the keys to the success of the organization? Well, one of the things that was a highlight was in 2012, um, we were recognized by the White House for being a transportation innovator champion of change. And I got to take my board of directors to the White House. And that introduced me to the Secretary of Transportation at the time. And he was very supportive, put me on a lot of committees, invited me to the White House numerous uh, times. And I got to know um, a lot of people in Washington. And I've served on some Department of Transportation committees. Um, and be able to uh, use my influence to create change in a positive way in the trucking industry to bring more women in. Mm, yeah, that's good. So how would you say it 
is leading a secular organization as a woman of faith? You would be surprised at how many people in the trucking industry are Christians. And it's been, it's a very conservative industry, a very patriotic industry. A lot of drivers are former, um, they're veterans, um, very pro-military. So it doesn't surprise me that there's a lot of people of faith who work in the trucking industry, um, including many members of my team. And we feel very uh, open to sharing um, our faith with each other as well. So um, I've always felt that I need to be an ambassador for God. <laughs> I want to represent God. I want people to see God through me. And I want to be um, a positive influence to bring people into the trucking industry, but also to make them feel welcome and needed and valued. So I believe that my my faith base has shown through, even though uh, Women in Trucking is a secular organization. Mm, that's good. Thank you. So what is maybe one of the biggest misconceptions that we have around the trucking industry? That's a great question because a lot of women think they can't do this job. They think that you have to be big and burly or mechanically minded or, or you know, it's really the things in the industry have changed. First of all, the trucks have changed. There's automated transmissions. There's so much technology on the truck, anti-rollover, you know, anti-collision warning devices, uh, you know, so much uh, technology that makes the job less physically demanding. Um, also, drivers are no longer expected to unload or load. So it's not, you know, you basically back your trailer up to a loading dock and they unload it and then you leave again for the most part. I mean, there are still jobs that require some physical component, but the industry has also been working really hard to uh, provide a better work-life balance. And so they're getting people home more. There's a lot of jobs where you can put your kids on the bus, go to work, maybe haul trash or recycling, or go to an intermodal, pick up uh, you know containers at a, a rail yard or a port um, and be home. Uh, and the jobs are well-paying. So the misconception is that women aren't wanted or valued, but that's not the case. And women make up about half the population and less than 14% of all professional drivers. So uh, that's, that's my job is to address those misconceptions and show women that they can do this job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. That's very helpful. So uh, we were talking before the show about how impactful the Halftime Institute was in your life. Would you share a little bit about that? What, what it is and, and your story? So the Halftime Institute is based on a book by uh, uh, Mr. Buford uh, called Halftime. And it's about the first half of your life, you're really working hard, you're raising your family, you're making money. And then you come to a point in your life, it's like, what else is there? And how can I glorify God in the second half of my life? Um, how can I use my skills, my talents, my resources that I've attained um, in my career to glorify God. And so I was feeling stagnant in my job. I was feeling as if the association was growing beyond me and maybe I couldn't um, handle the growth. And so I went to the Halftime Institute and it's amazing. It's a year long. You actually attend an event, but then you stay connected with your group um, and also your counselor, your coach uh, for about a year. And 
we kept looking at what is it I could be doing differently. And I kept saying, I want people to see God through me. I want women to feel that I can empower them. I want to be uh, the person who says you can do this, regardless of what you're doing, whether it's in the trucking industry or not. And we kept coming back to, wow, I have the opportunity with 8,000 members, mostly female, to reach these women um, in my role that I'm in now. And so I made the decision and I, and I was struggling because I had a, a board that I felt wasn't appreciative of what I was doing. Um, I had a board chair that I felt didn't understand me. Um, and so I, I really was frustrated. Um, and I went to the Halftime Institute and we determined that I was in the right place at the right time. And I have to tell you, it turned things around for the organization. I mean, there about that time we were financially struggling. And when I made the decision that, nope, this is the right place and I've got to put all my time and effort into turning this around and, and making it profitable, even though we're nonprofit, you still need money to run on. It, it turned around and it, it was truly uh, God's will for the association to succeed. We grew so quickly. Um, kept adding staff at an association management firm so that we could expand. And it was that point, and I never looked back, it was that point when we were so close to shutting our doors that we've grown. And we are a multi-million dollar organization um, with a huge influence all over the world and a, a huge staff and a conference. Uh, our last conference, we had nearly 1,800 members and that's up from 800 the year before. And this year we're looking at maybe 3,000 members. So look at all the people we're reaching. Yeah, that's really cool. So tell us a little bit about uh, the transition. So you're uh, stepping down as, as the CEO, correct? Uh, what's next? So um, as CEO, uh, the new CEO does not have a background in the trucking industry, which is my background. I also am a certified association executive, so I am trained to run a nonprofit organization. But the new CEO, um, really, the board was looking for someone who could take the organization to the next level, a more professional level. And I will tell you, I'm, I'm the entrepreneur. I'm the person who chases shiny objects. I'm like, I, let me just talk about my passion, but don't make me do payroll. Don't make me do HR stuff. Don't make me, you know, the, the spreadsheets and the budgets and all that stuff. Um, I just want to talk about the organization and, and you know, make it grow. Um, and so they hired someone who can manage the organization, work for the board of directors, manage the staff. Um, and so after June, when my official retirement will be the end of June, um, then I will stay on as founder and still do speaking. I'll still go out and represent the organization and talk about what the association does for a, a year or two um, until the new CEO gets um, up to speed on the trucking industry itself. Um, and, and so that's what I love to do. Just let me go talk about the association and talk about the benefits and what the industry, um, how the industry can um, benefit from becoming a member. Yeah, absolutely. So would you share uh, and be vulnerable about some of the both successes and failures in your career that maybe we can learn from? 
So boy, failure, um, you know, I don't really look at anything as a failure. I look at it as a learning experience. And I know I've made decisions um, that maybe didn't turn out the way I had hoped. Um, so that means I won't make that decision again moving forward. Um, there are things that women in trucking I wish I had done differently um, in regard to membership and maybe, you know, how the organization is structured. But um, again, I call them a learning experience. But all you can do is say, okay, we're not going to do that again. <laughs> and we're going to try something different. But as far as successes, um, I really do have a, a huge gratitude and my team uh, support. Um, again, I couldn't do this without the people around me. And I had a leadership coach for many years and the first few years he didn't even charge us. And he always said, all things work together for good to those who love God and called are called according to his purpose. And what that taught me is if you get everyone to get on the same page and work towards the same goals, um, you'll have much more energy to make that goal successful. So I've learned that you have to get the people around you to believe in what you're doing, um, because if they don't, they're going to hold you back. Um, and so I, I truly believe that all that energy that we're pushing towards the ultimate goal of bringing more women in the industry and making the industry a better place um, has been successful because we all have the same passion. Yeah, that's good. You know, I, I would say that, so the learning part from that is that you have to hire people who believe in what you're doing, because if you hire someone who is questioning what you're doing, they're going to hold you back. And, and so it's really getting the right people in the right places. Yeah, that's good. All right. So would you share one thing that you would love to be remembered for as your legacy? I would like to be remembered for truly changing the trucking industry and truly making not just women feel comfortable and accepted and welcome um, and accommodated, but also for trucking companies um, to say, we want more women. We see the value in bringing more women in, whether it's in the boardroom, in the cab of a truck, uh, you know, in, in leadership roles. I want to be that agent of change. I want to be the disruptor. And I want to be the one that people look back and say, wow, nobody thought um, that women could do this job, except Ellen believed that women could. And that's changed everything. So to go forward from that, what is your ideal future for, let's say, 50 years from now, what do you envision the trucking industry being? It's going to be a lot more automated. Um, you're going to see a whole different type of person who enters the industry. Um, people may be driving trucks from the comfort of their home, like drones, you know, managing, you know, <laughs> a whole fleet um, and never taking a step outside their office. So I, I see the technology really changing things. But I also see this is something that I think a lot of people don't think of. But I think that um, 3D 
imaging or 3D uh, printing will change the trucking industry dramatically. So if I need something, um, it's going to, technology is going to send it to me over the internet and I'm going to print it here. And so that will remove a lot of the package delivery services, a lot of truckload, you know, a lot of um, the trucking industry, instead of moving products, it's going to be done from point A to point B over the internet in some way. So I, I really see 3D printing changing things um, as far as moving goods. So what are the pros and cons of those major changes? Well, it means that people won't be away from home <laughs> um, because that's that's a big part of the trucking industry is getting in a truck and hauling you know, products from point A to point B, which typically means not being with your family. And that's hard. Um, because I've been in this industry, I was married to an over the road driver and it's hard on families when somebody has gone that amount of time. So I, I think it will make it so that it'll be more of a nine to five job. And maybe I'll be, you know, somebody will be sitting at a computer moving some freight through a, a, a you know a drone and then someone else will come and make the delivery i mean i i really think it's going to be really a different you're not going to see trucks out there on the road like you do now you're going to see things in the sky or things done over the internet so i mean if you really look that far into the future it's really hard to imagine <laughs> All right. So before we enter the mentor minute, is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience? Just that I'm really blessed. Um, and my, I have two children, uh, a son who lives nearby, um, who is wonderful about helping me with things around the house and, and, you know, just great, um, you know, helps great helper, um, great guy, um, and a daughter who's expecting, she and her husband are expecting baby number three in July. And so I'm really blessed. Uh, you know, Mother's Day just passed. I got to spend it with my children and their children. I really am truly blessed to have a wonderful, loving family that's so supportive um, and a son-in-law who I just adore as well. So um, family is really important to me and I plan on spending a lot more time um, with my, my children and my grandchildren when I retire. Yeah, that's good. That's so exciting. All right. So let's go into the mentor minute. Who is the most influential person that you know, and how have they impacted you? Well, I mentioned my mom, but I would say, um, boy, that's a great question. Wasn't prepared for that, Daniel. Um, Offhand, I just can't think of someone who's alive today, um, but I would say anyone in the past who was had resolve and who moved forward regardless of what other people did to slow them down. And and some people who come to mind are, you know, uh, some of our the, the suffragettes, you know, looking to make sure that women had a voice and a vote. Um, I can't think of anyone in particular that I would name, but just the women who have felt like nothing's going to stop them and you can't tell them no. All right. And then do you have a top book or podcast for us to check out? 
Oh boy. You know, um, so one of my friends is Tracy Brown and she has spoken at our conference and she is a body language expert and she sends out emails um, and especially of current events and say, is this person telling the truth or are they lying? Um, and learning to look at people's body language, look at where their eyes are and whether their head, you know, like if they might be saying something to the negative, but then nodding, it means they're you know, that's, that's a tell. Um, their hands and where they're looking uh, just is very interesting. So I, I find that fascinating. Um, I have a master's in communication, but that's verbal communication. Um, so adding to the body language communication, I think is just something that I'm going to learn more about. So I would say Tracy Brown um, and her podcast is called Liar Liar Pants on Fire. I like it. <laughs> All right. So then the final question is, what is the greatest lesson in leadership that you have learned? I love this question. And my response is assume good intent. And by that, I mean, if somebody does something, um, whether it's cutting you off in traffic, whether it's making a remark, whether it's, and I'll give you an example. I had a board member who uh, did attended an event on behalf of the association without telling me. And I felt that it was uh, a snub. And a friend of mine said, assume good intent. He went out of his way to represent the organization. He attended the meeting, talked about, you know, your, the, the benefits. So assume that he had good intent. And that has really changed my perspective. So when somebody says something, it's like, wow, that wasn't about me. That at all. That was something that they were dealing with. And so that has really changed the way I respond to other people. So just assume good intent. Mm, that's good. All right. And then is there anything that we can be praying for, for you and your family? Just continued good health. Um, and especially for my daughter who um, is expecting in July and she's had um, in, in the past, some difficulties. So just that she and the baby are healthy. All right. Let's pray now. Okay. God, I thank you for Ellen. I pray that you would watch over her family. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would help in this transition, uh, that the new CEO would uh, very quickly uh, get a good grasp on the industry and be able to really uh, take the organization to the next level. Uh, Lord, I pray uh, that you would be with us, that you would help us to honor you with our lives, our work, uh, what we pour so much of our time into. I pray that you would redeem it, that you would use it for your kingdom, uh, that you would use us uh, to advance your kingdom and be, uh, be good stewards of the time that you've given us. Uh, Lord, we thank you for this time, and we pray that we would take what we've learned here and invest in your kingdom. In Christ's name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and thank you guys for listening to another episode. We'll catch you next time. What if you could take your generosity to the next level, impacting more lives in your community and around the world, creating a godly legacy for generations to come? Now you can. Your first step is crafting your kingdom investing thesis. Reserve your spot in our next online workshop where we guide you through the process of discovering your passions, create a strategic plan, and connect you to opportunities that will help you fulfill your God-given calling 
as a kingdom investor. Register today by clicking the link in the show notes. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next time for another episode of the Kingdom Investor Podcast.